I'm Pete Primo. This is the podcast for furniture and mattress store owners who want to make more money without the BS. Welcome to the No BS Sales, Marketing, and More podcast for furniture and mattress stores. If you own a furniture or mattress store or you work in one, this is a podcast for you. Episode 14, Pete Primo with Doug Stewart and Nat Bernstein. Nat, thank you so much uh, for coming uh, and taking some time out of your schedule to to be with us today and to help our retailers uh, to have uh, more success in their business. I've known Nat for, my Lord, a long, long time. Uh, The first time I met Nat... um, Angelo G. Lombardo, who was my Sealy rep, introduced me to Nat. Um, Nat was very instrumental in helping me get some Sealy interviews, which I promptly screwed up completely. Uh, Nat took me under his wing and helped me, coach me, uh, to give a better interview and really kind of uh, communicate who I was in a much better and professional way. After I took uh, Nat's advice, I got two job offers, one with Simmons, one with Serta. I went with Serta, and the, the rest is history. Over the years, me and Nat have um, kept in contact. Um, when I see him in furniture today, and I see him doing something new, um, Nat is also the father of Comfort Selling, the father of Sealy University, and has trained many of the thought leaders that we now uh, watch their podcasts, listen to their um, to their videos, and also read their blogs uh, every week. Uh, Nat trained those guys. So, without a further to do, Nat, thank you for being here. And uh, Doug, what do you got, man? You got anything before we get started? No, I just want I just want Nat to start talking so I can take notes. All right. <laughs> so, without a further to do, Nat. You have worked with so many stores and so many trainers and RSAs for so many years with big stores, with with small stores. What advice could you give a store owner that would dramatically improve their mattress business? Well, the first thing they should do, and by the way, I thank you for both uh, including me on this podcast and for your kind words. Uh, They should hire me as a consultant. I think they should, too. Thing they should do. Uh, actually, so, so Nat, how do they do that? Well, they can contact me at bernsteinnat at gmail.com. All right, I will. Uh, I will publish that um, that email. And listen, anybody out there, if you have you know fifty thousand dollars extra in your bank account and your business is failing miserably, spend it. Hire a Nat Bernstein. Okay, great. So enough of that. Um, <laughs> I really, I spent 30 years as a consultant to retailers, uh, though I was paid by uh, Sealy and uh, Temper Sealy. I was really, my job was really to get out in the field and work with retailers. And because of a retail background that I had, I realized from the get-go that uh, product and the selling of the product and the promoting of the product each affect one another. So what I mean by that is this. You can have the best merchandise store with fabulous salespeople, but ineffective advertising. 
So the door doesn't swing enough. You don't get enough traffic for your expert salespeople to sell the wonderful product that you have. And we can take this and change that around. You can have a poorly merchandised store with excellent sales training and excellent advertising. And you hurt your business because you'll get a lot of customers in the store, but you don't have product. So when I hear people giving uh, retailers advice, I like to examine all three categories, product, sales effectiveness or sales training, and advertising, and try to understand where we can improve each of those. And the bottom line to the retailer is going to be positive. So let's, if you don't mind, I'd like to focus on each of the three. And then maybe in the future, we can focus more on one or the other. But to me, it starts with product. You have to have, the the retailer needs to understand who they are, who their target customer is, and then merchandise to that target customer and see to it that their department, if it's a furniture store, their mattress department or their mattress store appeals to that customer. So it can't be too plain. It can't be too crowded. It can't be, it's got to be right for the customer. If, if I'm a retailer and I've just made the decision that in my town, the, the leading uh, market is mid to lower price points, then I better have the best merchandise and displayed store of mid and lower price points. You follow what I'm saying? Uh, so many of the mattress retailers today try to be everything to everybody and it makes it very difficult for their salespeople to sell. It makes it very difficult for their operations to service. And it makes it difficult to explain to every consumer out there who they are. Uh, I just read in uh, Furniture Today today that betting is still, you know, a boring, though necessary item for consumers to be looking for. Shame on us. So number one for everyone listening And for those of you who sell the product, help identify who the target customer is, 80%, then have 10% above what that customer, you know, like a stretch, and 10% below. So if you cater to a wealthy customer, their cleaning help should be able to shop at your store also. But the target customer is who you say it is, and then do the best job you can merchandising the store properly and displaying it properly. Now, to me, uh, effective display should have point-of-sale materials that help the customer through the decision-making process. It's relevant. Uh, Another thing is that uh, the product should be... uh, segregated by brand. Now, I know a lot of the big retailers put everything, uh, have comfort zones within the store. I think what it does is it makes it, uh, even when I go to the grocery store with my wife and we want to buy cereal, there's a huge display of cereal, but guess what? All the Kellogg cereals are together. All of the uh, post-brand cereals are together. 
And then they may have on the top row the biggest boxes and on the bottom row the littlest boxes. But all of that brand's merchandising is apparent because it is kept together. So I think that's something that I would recommend. Uh, I also think that the display should be from the should be looked at from the what what's going to make it easiest once our customers in the store to facilitate their learning about the product understanding you know the discovery stage understanding what their needs are and uh, so the display uh, sizes of the beds and so on and so forth should all be geared for the customer making their job easier uh, and if we can make their job easier guess who's job becomes easier the rsa's job okay so if we if you don't mind i'd like to just move from we now say we we have the best merchandising that we know 80 percent of what we show on the floor is relevant to our target customer 10 percent is above so that we can step up the customer and 10 uh, percent is below so we have a bargain basement things. Everybody has a guest room that they may not want to spend spend a lot of money on. Everyone's got a uh, uh, maybe rental property that they want to put a, a cheap set of bedding in. God bless them. There's a reason that we have that, okay? So I think that every retailer should have that. Now that we have the store identified, who our customer is, and we have the prop, what we think is the proper merchandising, we need to help retail sales associates understand what our store stands for, who our target customer is, and why we have the products we have. And that every $12,000 set of bedding with adjustable bases is not geared for every customer that walks in the store. Now, does that mean I don't want every customer to be shown? That $12,000, of course. I think everybody should. You can't buy what you can't see. Uh, a real quick story. Um, someone told me about a, they were telling us about adjustable bases and talked about a little store in Las Vegas where there's an elderly woman who works there by herself. And her, she got a new mailman. And she said, I've never met you before. You have to come over and look at this bed. So he shows, he's shown the most expensive bed the most with the adjustable base. She shows him how it works, and he says, well, I'm a postman. I can't possibly afford this. So that night, the postman goes home, and he says, hey, Ma, you should go down to the store. There's a bed that you should look at. And he explains what happened, and guess what? For Christmas... He got that bed because she was smart enough to show it to him, and he then told someone, right? How awesome is that? Isn't that nice? So what I'm saying is I think that – but if whoever owns that store hadn't put that $12,000 bed on the floor, whatever the price was, no one can buy it. you got to be able to show it in order to sell it. So we – we need to educate retail salespeople as to why the product is there, who it's originally designed for, and then develop a, uh, a selling scheme that fits our product. The reason that uh, comfort selling was born 
was that after two or three customers not buying from me after I opened my uh, retail stores in Milwaukee, I said, this isn't working right. So I had developed a concept of showing a hard bed first, which turned a lot of people off, a really soft bed second, which turned a lot of people off, and that really comfortable bed in the middle, which turned a lot of people on. But by giving them the choice of very hard, very soft, and right in between, uh, it made their, they, they had an aha moment. They went, ah, I can really feel the, the difference, right? So, Because if you have three beds that all feel sort of kind of the same, it really confuses the customer. So, now, it, can I stop you there? Of course. When you developed, com- you know, comfort selling, it wasn't a choice between a hard and a soft. There were three choices. Correct. Because I, the comfort selling that I thought I learned mm-hmm. only involved two choices, and it seems to me one of the biggest missed opportunities. It today are those in between feels. So, if uh, zero is a, a rock, the floor, and mm-hmm. ten is a marshmallow, the softest cloud you've ever laid on. Right. What I'm seeing in the marketplace today is those uh, zero through threes and fours aren't selling very well, but between four and seven is selling extremely well. And so, right. you really targeted for that four to seven, didn't you? Right. Right. That would be the so the then it became a, first it was it's a comfort selection and then it's a price selection so you have to have uh, a ten if a customer comes in and they say you know what the floor isn't hard enough for me then you have to have uh, zeros which you said are the hardest beds sure at, you know a high price a medium price and a lower price and there there will be obviously quality issues no. Today, actually, Pete, I'm glad you brought that up, is that you can craft a comfort. Today, it should be a comfort technology test. When right. I was selling originally hard, soft, in between, they were all inner spring beds. And you, you really, uh, the comfort technology test today would give me the opportunity to have a customer say, look, I don't want any of that foam stuff. Right. I just want that good old fashioned. And then during a comfort technology test, I don't say, oh, by the way, you said you don't want that foam stuff. Try this foam bed. No, it's just one of the choices, right? So so I might show a hard like a rock, um, hard like a rock inner spring, a soft like a marshmallow inner spring, and that my middle bed may actually be a really comfortable foam mattress. So I'm able to now introduce without, and the customer's going to lay down that and go, and this is the customer says, don't show me that foam stuff. Now they lay down on that middle bed and they go, wow, what's this? Right. Now, seller beware, don't get technical right now. So no, no, no. What, why do you? You, you like this bed? What, what is it that you, oh, I love the way it feels. And, oh, compared to that first one, I probably won't be able to afford this one. But, oh, my goodness, it's so comfy, right? 
all of a sudden you now have a customer that you can work with. I would delay telling them, oh, it's that foam stuff that you didn't want. Right. Or it could be customer comes in and says, I want that foam stuff. Right. But they lay down on the hard like a rock and they go, oh, my God. Can I, you know, turn the lights out? Let me spend the night here. <laughs> so I think by having a comfort technology tester, having a, if I were to say to you, um, what type of firmness are you interested in? Even the way I ask the question, I'm putting the word firm in your mouth. The general consumer says, oh, I want a pretty firm mattress. I, I want to, you know, I want a, a, a good, decent, firm mattress. Mm -hmm. That should never be a question ever asked by any retail salesperson ever. Absolutely. Even if a customer comes in and says, now show me a really firm bed, they should start with a comfort technology test. I, I agree. Now, you know, the better sleep shops, that circular format in the center third, Yes. those stores yeah that that's what you're talking about i mean yes you something like something like that yes okay now i was at a store a retailer uh out west um within the last year <laughs> nothing is more recent than that and uh <laughs> they started their entire presentation i i loved it at a pillow bar where they got the consumer to pick out they'd show them you know, hard, soft, and in between pillow. And then they, the customer walked around with a packet with, with that pillow and a clean paper, uh, what do you call it, pillowcase. Yep. And, so the, and I like the fact that the customer all of a sudden, they made their first little decision before they entered that circular area. And they kind of walked, they, they took kind of ownership of that pillow yep. and then used it during their uh, lay down, laying down on the beds. So I, I thought that, so that might be your very first step, number one. But the comfort technology test, however it's shown, I think is terribly important. And it's, it's doing it versus, and it should look nice. I mean, uh, I went into a um, high-end department store and Someone misunderstood directions, and at the head end of every bed, if you looked up to the ceiling, you were looking at a spotlight. Oh. And I had been told that this store was not, the store was doing well, the department store, clothes-wise, furniture-wise, horrible mattress department. So I called the buyer from the department, I said, have you been in this store? Have you laid down on one of your beds? I mean, you, we need to immediately take the pillows and put them at the foot end of the bed and have the customers try them that way, you know, before. But unfortunately, they, uh, the store uh, lost its lease. And when it reopened, they did not have bright lights, uh, you know, at the head end of the bed. Now, I have been quoted, and I will I will allow anyone to quote me if if I have a loss leader and I don't want to sell it, I'd put it in the window with a lot of bright lights at the head end. <laughs> when someone lays down, they go, "Oh, I don't I don't know why I don't like this, but I really don't like this." But again, the part of the selling scheme should be that you know you put your you have your comfort technology. The the reason for the circle is that so that uh, you have 
people not staring at each other like acro- necessarily across yeah they're right. they're foot to foot but it's the the way it's set up uh, you you be, most stores don't have room for that many beds right so you know i would keep it simple and keep it focused on the consumer make it comfortable make it simple and then take the customer to a and, and learn to say best better good I noticed There's, that yesterday when we talked, everything is is best, better, good correct. with you. Right. How many RSAs, trainers, and business owners have you taught that to? Well, thousands. But <laughs> that the good news is thousands. The reason I had a career that lasted as long as it did is that there's such turnover of retail salespeople there are because it's maybe 20 percent can make a really good living selling mattresses and 80 percent don't so they keep turning and turning and turning so you always have this new crop of people that you have to deal with and teach them the right way to do it yes the the, uh, and, and and that's a shame and i also think that what happens is um Sometimes a line is hot, and sometimes a line is not hot. Yes. So, and uh, we also talked about this yesterday. I think a danger that uh, retail our retail partners run into is there. You know, Pete shows up, and they really like Pete, and they haven't carried your line before, and they, you know, they have three other lines on the floor and you convince them, Oh, you don't have to get rid of anyone. Just, you know, maybe eliminate one item. And all of a sudden they've got four items on the floor and they're all at nine ninety nine. So there, and you have to have a choice of comfort. So now you have, you've got four brands. You have eight beds at nine ninety nine. That's not good merchandising. No, and you know that's a common mistake that we see. Nat, um, number one, stores uh, being overselected at a given price point. I mean, I don't yeah. know how many times a store owner has said, "You know, I'm selling a bunch of five ninety nine, and I don't know why." And I look across, and, and I just count the SKUs at every price point. Right. He's got four to six SKUs at five ninety nine, one to two SKUs everywhere else. Right. You're forcing your RSA to sell five ninety nine just right. by your merchandising. Correct. And that's why the very first thing we talked about today is product has to be right because yeah. the product will absolutely drive the the rest of the business. So the, the once we get the product right and then and the the things will lose their momentum. That one of the things that uh, I think is very, very important is when you're looking at sales productivity, uh, retailers should know the turn of the, the, how many they're selling of each item by size. They should be very aware of that. And they're, they'll be shocked to know that on, let's say, a particular SKU, which they think is their best selling, they sell a lot of dual twins because of let's say adjustable bases but no fulls no queens and a few kings so 
and, and maybe, you know, if their business is great, God bless them, let them continue to do that. But we need to encourage retailers to fully understand the productivity of every product in their store. And again, if 80% of the store should be geared to their target audience with 10% above and 10% below, if they're selling 30, 40% of their SKUs at the 10% below, they're driving their business into the ground. If they are selling too many of the 10% above, what are they doing? They're walking a lot of customers. So they need to have a blend of the 80% of their business should be the 80% of the beds that are designed for their target audience. The 10% above and the 10% below should, you know, now they may want to adjust who they're going to appeal to, which I think is smart. Absolutely. But there are ways of testing your merchandising, and that's one of them. The since I'm, I'm looking at the time, I'd like to, I would like to cover. Don't the- worry about the time, Nat. I I am sitting here at the feet of the master, and this is the quietest me and Doug have ever been <laughs> on, a, on an interview. I see Doug over there frantically um, writing notes, and he's chomping at the bit to ask a question. But we keep writing so much stuff down. You know, our goal, Nat, is to give our store owners one to two takeaways. You have given us about nine or ten already, so please just keep going. This is just absolutely awesome. Well, let's talk about the third leg of this tripod. Sure. We talked about product. We talked about training. And we could spend hours just talking about training, and hopefully one day we'll talk more about that. But the third is inviting consumers into the store. So I think that we we discuss the fact that the product needs to be right and you have to have salespeople who know how to sell the product. Now we need to bring the right customer in. If we are running advertising that appeals only to the low-end customer and yet 80% of our customers are that mid to upper price point, how successful can we be? We're bringing in a low-end customer They're coming into the store. They're frightened by the display. They're frightened by the price points. And even though you do have a product that they can buy, a lot of them won't because they they don't feel comfortable in that environment. So we need to make sure that we are advertising effectively to that audience. And how do you do that? Well, we should know who our customer is. We should know what other stores they shop at. So, for instance, when I was a retailer, I wanted the department store customer to come into my store. And I studied the department store price points. I studied the department store's uh, display, and I studied the department store's advertising. Where were they advertising? And what were their lead price points? And I, what I did is I really mirrored what the department store was doing but tried to out-service them. So I would offer next day free delivery or Saturday delivery, which the department store couldn't, they couldn't react that fast. So I wasn't necessarily selling my product at a third lower price point because department stores know how to cut price and they know how 
right, to, to move a lot of product. But I also knew that they couldn't deliver as fast as I could. So I tried to win on the, the back of being able to uh, out-service the customer. But the advertising, it was important to me that I had good value, that I showed uh, low-priced merchandise, high-priced merchandise, merchandise that I felt consumers uh, wanted. But I, I really did study what other people were doing. And I, I have to tell you, I'm not a, a Walmart a fan of shopping at Walmart. But I have a lot of respect for their current CEO because he was interviewed on CNBC and he was asked, "How are you? what are you doing to turn your business around or really you know, drive your business? He said, I'm watching everything Amazon's doing. And I want to be as good as they are. Yeah. And I, have, I went, oh my God, did I really hear what I think I just heard? And this is a smart... This is a smart man, and he grew up. His first job during high school was at Walmart. So wow. this guy has gone all the way to the very top and is smart enough to know, look at who's doing a great job. And Let, I, I don't want to gloss over that. So, so this gentleman went from basically a stock boy to the CEO of Walmart. Is that correct? Correct. That's correct. powerful. Yeah. Do you know what and, I'm going to do? Yeah. I'm going to stop this. Okay. To all of our listeners, we are going to continue on episode 15. So meet us over there and we will see you a week from now. Thank you, Nat, for everything. And we're going to continue this on episode 15. Thank you for listening to the No BS Sales, Marketing, and More podcast for furniture and mattress stores. We love reviews at our podcast. They help us get found. Please review us at iTunes or Stitcher. And while you're there, please subscribe. This podcast was brought to you by Primo Furniture Sales. For more tips on selling furniture and mattresses, go to PetePrimo.com. Till we meet again, sell a million. Thank you.